0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W Keith Tins, writer and podcaster, creator of The Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. Today we're discussing the first episode of Ray Can't Sleep.
1: My name is Ray. 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 Ray, and I sleep.
0: Written and produced by Stephen Honeycutt, Ray Can't Sleep is a paranormal docudrama about a struggling L.A. based musician who realizes he hasn't slept in over a month. His search for a cure leads him into the underbelly of Hollywood, where he inadvertently unearths a conspiracy that's been hiding in plain sight since the dawn of mankind. The show itself is framed as a podcast called Ray Can't Sleep, which ostensibly documents Ray's experiences. In telling Ray's strange journey, Honeycutt satirizes millennials, musicians, conspiracy theorists, podcasts, and Hollywood culture. The first episode of Ray Can't Sleep, titled A Tasteful Amount, Introduces us to Ray as he begins to document his sleep disorder for his podcast, which is produced by his friend, Ian. While riding the bus, Ray experiences an attack of sleep paralysis and is convinced that he is being observed by mysterious figures. Ray is rescued by Lynn, an aspiring actress, who gets him a job as a background extra in Hollywood. And that's when things begin to get really strange. I spoke to Steve remotely from his home in California. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as a creative person.
2: I'm uh, Steve Honeycutt, and hmm, I've been a creative person for, I don't know, for as long as I can remember breathing, I guess. Um, (laughs) I don't know. My mom tried to get me into music at a pretty young age. Like the first instrument that I tried to play was uh, violin. Later I became a uh, band geek in high school, like begrudgingly because, <laughs> I mean, I liked the music, but I hated being like paraded around for football games and whatnot. You know, I wanted to be in like a rock band and play like quote unquote uh, real music. What were you playing in band? Alto saxophone. Um, okay. Yeah, I was an orchestra geek, so mm-hmm. I played the
0: cello when I was that
2: age. So. See, that's great that you even had that option because there <laughs> were no strings at Zephyr Hills High School in Florida. In fact, we were lucky we even had a band, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I did manage to find my way to strings in a different way. At one point, I got moved on to the baritone sax, and I just I fell in love with, I guess, bassier tones. I loved playing that thing. And then eventually I made my way to the bass guitar and played uh, bass in the uh, jazz band, which I really love. Yeah. During that whole time, I was reading tons and tons of comics, uh, which I think is what uh, sucked me into storytelling. And it's been my lifelong goal to be a comic book creator, and I could never get the uh, drawing part down. So I'm like, well, uh, I guess I'm just going to have to do the the writing part. And, of course, movies. You could probably watch movies before you can read, right? Right. Right. Um, yeah. And my uh, mom told me what a director was in in relation to I think we were watching like a James Bond movie or something. And I was like, Mommy, who makes the movies She's like <laughs> a director? So, yeah, like basically what I'm trying to say here is that (laughs) I'm trying to be like three different creative things at the same time. Got to keep a lot of irons in the fire, I suppose. Always writing and trying to get stuff made, short films or features or uh, audio dramas or comic books. Yeah. So now you do the voice of Ray
0: in Ray Can't Sleep, right. right? Mm hmm. Did you do the music for the show as well?
2: I composed the intro and the outro and Mm -hmm. a bit of the um, transitions. But for a lot of the background stuff, like there's a lot of scenes where someone's riding in an Uber. And generally, when you get into an Uber, you hear music being played on the radio. So luckily, I have many other musician friends who are more than willing to donate tracks to me to throw in there. One of them is my good friend, Andy, uh, Jupiter Ace, come up on band camp if you want. And some of the more background stuff came from my uh, good friend, Justin Bohanic.
0: When I was listening to the first episode, I, I really liked, you know, the synth rock kind of stuff that you had in there. Uh, thanks. And, and also, I, I was very aware that there was always kind of a background track going to help set the mood
2: and things like that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Ray Can't Sleep in your own words? Ray Can't Sleep, of course, it's a combination of many things, but mostly it's... Uh... Very autobiographical, obviously a very over-the-top version of basically me and my wife. Well, she's not really a character and Ray Can't Sleep, but I mean, basically we moved to LA with like no plan. She went off and got a real job. And then (laughs) I went down the path of being an extra and trying to find my way uh, into the industry. And while I would be on these uh, sets and just experiencing LA for the first time, I would just think to myself, You never hear anybody going on talk shows and talking about their experience being a background performer or extra. Well, of course you don't, because, you know, unless you want to do that work like that stuff is boring. People want to hear about uh, the movie stars, the people who made it, the wacky hijinks that they get into behind the scenes. They don't want to hear like, so I stood there for eight hours and they finally wrapped me for lunch so i thought maybe i could draw on that experience weave in a little bit of uh, intrigue and some of the more uh, paranormal elements that i've always enjoyed uh, in media why don't i just like wrap all that up together and see if i can't make something interesting out of it And that's how Ray Can't Sleep came to be.
0: So uh, can we see you in anything in the background?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I was featured most prominently in, do you remember the show Angie Tribeca? I I never saw it, but I know the name. Yeah, (laughs) no no one did. But I I actually (laughs) loved it because like through the year and a half to two years that I did background work, I just got put on so many shows that I just loathed. But of course, you know, (laughs) I was there for a paycheck and for experience and stuff. And I think when I was on Angie Tribeca, I didn't really realize what it was until it finally aired. And I was like, hey, I was on that. And in case anyone is interested, Angie Tribeca is basically like the naked gun or police squad with a female lead, parody of cop shows, basically. And uh, there was one where I was like next to the lead or the male lead, who's a really tall guy. So they stuck an almost tall guy, which is me next to him. So he didn't <laughs> look like a you know huge freak, like he is in real life. <laughs> Uh, but actually, he was a really nice guy. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Also, the um, first two to three episodes of The Good Place. And you remember that oh, show? I love that yeah, show. Yeah. That is one of my yeah, favorite so shows good, of all time. right? Yeah. Again, like, you know, you never know if any of this stuff is going to air or not. And then um, finally it did. And I was like, yeah, let me check this show out. And I'm like, hey, there I am. And there <laughs> I am again. And there I am again. And at least the show was good. So that helped with watching it
0: you started doing this almost a year ago or over a year ago is that right
2: yep uh ray can't sleep had its anniversary last uh october before ray i was doing uh other podcasts just a regular interview one just to sort of dip my toe into the world of podcasting and you know sort of get used to the workflow. Of course, the workflow of a regular interview podcast is nothing compared to that of an audio drama, but it was a good little uh, experience uh, nonetheless.
0: So what made you decide to do Ray Can't Sleep when you did?
2: I'd been writing the thing for a while. It just sort of came to fruition. I mean, I, you know, I just started writing it. I guess there's a little bit more to it. I really wanted to try out some serialized entertainment because mostly what I had written in the past are uh, features or short films. And also I knew down the line, I wanted to try to write a comic book. I'm like, hmm, I need to make it so people will come back, you know, week to week, leave them on a cliffhanger or whatnot. So they'll come back and, you know, buy the book. I figured, well, I already have like a decent audio background. I'm a voice actor who knows uh, many actors and other voice actors who will work for me for free. (laughs) And I've got a walk-in closet. Uh, So there's your studio. Yeah. Yeah. There was really no reason not to do it. It was also about, I wanted to write something that I knew that I could finish and actually put out for people to experience. So And I yeah. think audio drama, I mean, aside from like the novel and maybe a comic book itself, audio drama is the cheapest. And I mean that with, with love, of course, and the easiest way to make that happen.
0: So you originally envisioned Ray Can't Sleep as an audio drama or like, when you were approaching writing it, did you start to say, I'm going to write an audio drama or was this a story that you then converted into an audio drama?
2: Oh, no, it was an audio drama from day one. I don't know. I guess the big question I asked myself is, well, why is it an audio drama? And then I did what (laughs) some of the other audio dramas did at the time and made it a, you know, docudrama where Hmm. someone is in there actually recording it, which I know a lot of people like in the audio drama subreddit. They're like sort of sick of that format. I enjoy it. I loved Tannis and the black tapes, few others. And I was just like, well, surely there must be room for one more. To be fair, I think you do an
0: interesting thing with it. It's actually pretty clever. You frame the whole thing as a podcast done by Ray's friend, Ian. We're listening to the podcast of Ray Can't Sleep, which is a podcast. Um, and that way you can also weave in jokes and meta commentary about podcasting as well. And I thought that was pretty clever. Let's talk about Ray, who is our protagonist. I have to say, Ray is not a terribly likable guy. You know, he hasn't slept in a month. And so we can maybe forgive him a little bit of irritability for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's kind of a loser. I mean, at least that's the way he comes off. You know, he's he's got an inflated sense of importance, but, you know, he's a mooch. <laughs> he's kind of unpleasant to be around. He's got these paranoid delusions. And he's a conspiracy theorist. He can't keep a job or get a girlfriend. <laughs> Right. I mean, he calls himself a musician, but he doesn't even want to play music with his friends. Normally, when you hear about screenwriting, you say, write a protagonist that the audience can identify with mm-hmm. or can agree with. So I think you kind of went in the opposite direction here. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what your thought process was,
2: was when you were writing Ray? Oh, sure. I think Ray is perfectly relatable, uh, <laughs> okay, but, uh, but I am a I'm a big fan of the anti-hero or rogue. And also, I really wanted to have a clear character arc, which, dare I say, I feel like a lot of uh, audio dramas don't really have. They just sort of start, and then they end, and everybody's pretty much where they were when the thing began. As I said, I like anti heroes and rogues and people who are just on the bottom and they have to go through this sort of ridiculous uh, adventures or these trials, if you will so they can better themselves as a human being. When you get right down to Ray, he wants to be a good guy. But, eh, you know, life really hasn't treated him that well. You know, (laughs) it's tough being a musician, uh, especially uh, getting being a paid musician. So Mm -hmm. of course, it's easy to become uh, burnt out and angry. And I've known plenty of people like that. Maybe if you met me on the wrong month, I would be like that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Basically he just has to go through this wacky adventure to become a better version of himself by the end. What's this? It's private. It's my first audio journal entry.
3: Personal. Hold on, I wanna hear this.
2: Sure,
1: fine, whatever. Just eavesdrop into the deepest corners of my psyche. And I have been for about a month. Just finished watching Highlander 2. (laughs) And now I wish someone would chop my head off with a sword. Sweet release. For breakfast, I ate at work. Well, now, former work, I was just too real, too in-your-face for that particular fast-food chain. Job sucked, anyway. I'm a highly skilled musician. Flipping burgers wasn't exactly creatively fulfilling. For lunch, I thought I was gonna meet a girl from Tinder for a date. At least, female was what her profile said. You can't trust anyone on these apps, but I'm desperate. So I was willing to play the game, but I never found out either way because she didn't show pretty sure I saw her peek into the restaurant and leave. (sighs) Maybe she didn't appreciate my current appearance because my profile pic is at least 10 years old and has been altered more times than the footage of the JFK assassination.
2: So one of my other friends said he used the word. He's a little bit younger Incel. I'm like, what? No, no, he's just sort of an angry Gen Xer, maybe a zenial, if you will. And, yeah. you know, who needs to just work hard and experience a little bit of success and learn to care about others instead of himself, basically.
0: It's really a hard line to walk, writing characters which are, on the surface, don't seem to have many redeeming qualities. I will say that, you know, he didn't put me off. I think it's a combination of the performance, and I also think it's the fact that he's he's kind of funny. You know, he's he's the whole conspiracy thing that he does, and he has some really funny jokes that he says. You know, and that kind of keeps me interested in him enough that I'm not, like, turned off and it's like, I don't want to listen to this guy. So well, that's so, good. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, yeah, I think you do kind of walk that line a little bit. Sometimes people want to root for the bad guy or at least see them get their comeuppance.
0: Ray is he hasn't slept in a month. And Mm -hmm. in the first episode, we learn about this situation, but we don't know why yet. Mm -hmm. But he does have sleep paralysis and where he sees he calls them sort of half dragon, half people Mm -hmm. figures in the middle of all this uh, on a bus trip. He gets hit with another attack of sleep paralysis, just falls asleep. And that's where he meets Lynn who is a struggling background actor in LA.
4: Well, I was in the seat behind you. You started saying all these strange things. Then you stood up. I think you were sleepwalking. You emptied your pocket, sat back down, and went back to sleep. There were some rough looking characters on the bus, so I grabbed your stuff and sat next to you so no one would try anything.
1: So you saw someone who needed help and you helped them? That is the most un-LA thing I've ever heard.
4: I've only been in LA a short while. I'm from where if someone needs help, you help them. And if you want proof, just check that recorder thing. It's been on the entire time.
1: Oh, believe me, I will. And one more question. (sighs) What now? Do you think they have a phone charger around here?
4: It's right by the register.
1: Great, great, great state right there. This interrogation is far from over.
4: Oh, please hurry back. This is turning out to be a great decision on my part.
1: And
0: she then gets him into background acting. Now, we don't get a taste of that world in the first episode. It happens in the next one. But this is where you wanted to bring in some satire of Hollywood. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so tell me why do you want to satirize hollywood
2: oh i mean doesn't it deserve to be satirized (laughs) i mean i think there is a severe lack of satire in general because everyone's afraid of offending someone parodies are those are some of my favorite movies like naked gun (laughs) airplane one of the more recent uh, examples of satire (laughs) it was a really divisive film is under the Silver Lake with Andrew Garfield. Have you seen that one? I haven't actually, no. Oh I man, it's so good. Like it actually came out after I started writing Ray Can't Sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is what I, like this guy did what I wanted to do or am <laughs> doing. But no, of course it deserves to be satirized. The weird thing, and I guess maybe scary thing, is that I started, you know, writing Ray Can't Sleep, or at least thinking about it before all the Me Too stuff happened. Hmm. So... A lot of the more kind of over-the-top things that happen in Ray Can't Sleep was kind of uh, mirrored in uh, in real life, um, oh, wow. yeah. unfortunately. But I mean, I think every media outlet or industry should be satirized and uh, held accountable. And hopefully it's not real. You know, if it's not, they can just laugh at it and go, ha, 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 that's an example of a bad um, movie studio and not like us. I mean, when you get so big, you deserve to be made fun of. There were just so many times where I would stand on a set and like listen to the actors spout out this rather uh, mundane dialogue, and yeah, uh, I think this might sound egotistical, but I was like, man, like I can do better than this. Like, <laughs> how are like how are these guys getting paid, and I'm not like. Uh, and and then in, I, think, in- I
0: think we've all all of us who are writers have been looking at scripts that get produced, and we're like, really, really sure. Yeah.
2: Sure, sure. And uh, and then from there, you know, it just it extends, you know, I guess the, the conspiracy brain works. And, you know, maybe I believe this or maybe I don't. But then it's like, oh, well, they must have an end with so and so. And it's true. Like there are plenty of people who have ends or know the right person. And like that's the weird thing is, you know, when you get out here especially for acting or even voice acting, if you don't know anyone, the only sort of pathway in is to pay someone to be your mentor, to take all these quote unquote classes. And even then, there's yeah. still no guarantee that you're going to get work because then they can just say, well, I'm sorry, you just weren't good enough. Or, you know, you did great, but they were just going with so-and-so. It's how it's always been.
0: So You said Ray Can't Sleep
2: is somewhat autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Are you Ray? Are you Lynn? Are you both? I'm a lot of Ray. But when I was on set, I was more of a Lynn because I just tried to be as professional as possible. And like, that's once you get later on in the episodes, there's sort of like a common joke or theme where it says, oh, they'll, like, you know, go down the central casting. They'll take anyone. Yeah. And it's true. You find yourself on set with people who are mm, possibly insane and <laughs> or are, are not there to, you know, work hard and make their way or to learn or whatever. Like, I just remember there was, there was one time this guy kept talking. Even after they would call uh, action, he'd still keep talking. And like in between, we were in this big ballroom scene and there was like food in front. And he was just, oh, man, I'm just here for the food. I'm just like, oh, come on. You're like, you're ruining it for all
0: of us. Ray Can't Sleep is 10 episodes, is that correct? Yes, sir. It's sort of one complete story. Looking back on your first episode, what were you trying to accomplish with
2: that? And how do you think you did? I wanted to hook you in, so you would want to take the ride and uh, check out the other episodes. And I don't know, sometimes when I look at my analytics uh, and see that that first episode is like the most downloaded, and then the other ones are kind of dwarfed by it, <laughs> I, I wonder <laughs> if I succeeded with that. Luckily, I was able to bring the pilot into my writers group. You know, we were able to workshop it and streamline it. And so I really wanted to give the listener a big enough spoonful of mystery without tipping my hat too much through episode through episode. It just gets crazier and crazier, basically. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to make it look like it's a, you know, you're very serious, you know, like a tennis or a black tapes, you know. <laughs> but then, you know, after a while, you're like, oh, there's there's jokes here. But I still want to know what happens. I think I pulled it off. Like when I when I do get feedback, it's positive. Like, I don't know. I don't know how it is for other um, audio dramas. I never get a whole lot of reaction or feedback just from random people on the Internet for any of the stuff that I put up. But uh, there have been a few, and it's been positive. So I'm just gonna go with that and assume that everybody <laughs> loves it. That's smart. I actually come
0: from a theater background. You know, I have my own podcast, The Book of Constellations, and I'm in the same boat. I get some nice comments, I get some nice reviews occasionally, but by and large, beyond those few comments, I, I'm in the dark, and that's the big difference between audio drama and theater. You know, with theater, at least you get the immediate response of right. the crowd, but with audio drama, you're kind of wondering, hmm. Did did I? And I and I'm also in the same boat with you. I've got three or four times as many people downloaded the first episode as have listened all the way through. Hey, so we're um, not alone. Awesome. No, and, and <laughs> you know, and, and at first I was kind of like, oh, what did I screw up? Did I do something terrible? But then I think you have to remind yourself that not every story is for everybody. You know, people have absolutely,
2: different, you know, yeah. people
0: have different tastes. And
2: yeah, how does it make you feel, Keith, when, <laughs> when you see, uh, when you see like. Some ghost audio drama. They uploaded their third episode, and already they're like, "Hey, ten thousand downloads! Oh Thank you God. so much!" Uh, oh, Abby, yeah, I mean, that's when I hit the bottle, man. I don't know about I, you.
0: It's hard not to get a little jealous right. when you see those things, you know. And uh, you just kind of have to say, "All right."
2: See, I'm, that's I'm, that's what makes me think, like, "Oh, I should have tipped my hat earlier," because. Uh, I mean, there's the paranormal scale, you know, you know, gets blown away by, I don't know, episode four, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, and, like if I would have put those guys on the cover, then like everybody would have downloaded. Um, but I mean, but that's like a personal preference for me is like it's so hard to be surprised these days. Like, no matter what it is, from like comics to movies to even professional wrestling, like it all gets leaked onto the internet. And then when it happens, you're like, ah, oh, I already knew that. So, like, that was another thing that was sort of in the back of my mind. It's like, I'm going to really reward people who stick around by just having it go and say it. I mean, hopefully it's a reward. I mean, I guess it's up to the <laughs> listener.
0: Yeah. And I, I happen to think that you give a really nice tease there in the first episode when Ian decodes the secret message that is found on Ray's recorder and the audio is really cool there where you know the, the voices are mysterious and they're talking and it's the first clear cut evidence we have that Ray isn't just crazy you know
3: hear that odd noise at the end? yeah so? I isolated it and ran it through a few programs now listen to it
1: that's the guy what the they've been talking about are you sure? no I thought he didn't sleep, sleep. I recognize sleep. his voice from the recording. stop it well, either it's him. Green hands or off it isn't. of me. No. Either way. Here, take everything from Stay away. Yeah, he needs the criteria.
4: Let's uh, go. There you are. Don't worry. We're gonna get you to the hospital right now.
1: He's not alone. A boy. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
3: whoa! Stop the tape. Where did those guys come from? Weird, right? Originally, they were barely audible. I had to apply a little audio rasmatanz just to be able to understand them. And they still sound weird. So what does all that mean? It means their vocal frequency isn't like a normal human. Do you think it's aliens? It's odd, but I don't think it's anything that crazy. Are
1: you sure? Or maybe you're just being close-minded. I, I, have you ever heard of Ockram's uh, Razor? Who are they, like early 2000s, post-hardcore?
0: It's enough of a tease for me to want to keep listening and figuring out what's going on. So. Thank
2: goodness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we've been talking a bit about our struggles, right? You know, yeah. with the numbers and getting downloads and worries. What, what do you struggle with when you approach
2: podcasting or writing or any creativity? I'm really at the point where I'm just like, man, I sure would like to get paid for some of the stuff that I do. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but, uh, the, the thing is, is that I guess Ray can't sleep is and was part of my plan to get enough people listening that when I do a, uh, Crowdfunder for this comic that then people will want to put money out for that. Right. And I don't want to make it sound like that I'm money motivated because I was in like countless horrible bands where I never made a dime. (laughs) Right. Motivation somewhat is a problem, but then it's not a problem anymore because I know that I'm on a plan here. I need to finish all this stuff so I can then see that nobody cared and will give up. But the thing is, is that, (laughs) People are caring. So right. I guess I'm moving in the right direction. And the weird thing is that like Ray Can't Sleep and the, uh, the script that my comic is based off of was all stuff that I wrote well before my, uh, my son was born. So I guess once I'm done milking them, the scary thing will be starting over and writing something completely new. That's the mm. hard thing. How do you measure success? It feels like I'm being successful now. As long as I'm meeting my goals and I still have a roof over my family's head, then at the moment, I am successful.
0: Do you have any advice for people who want to create audio drama?
2: If you want to go the, the Steve Honeycutt method. Uh, <laughs> oh, OK. Here's what you should do first. Okay. Just make something short first so you can see the amount of work that's going to go into it. Like I actually did, a, um, it was actually a short script that I like submitted to the Nickelodeon Writing Fellowship back when they used to accept scripts for like cartoon ideas. And I was like, oh, there's only like three dudes in here. I can do all the voices. That was my first attempt at doing an audio drama. And I was like, wow, this was really hard. So start out small. Make sure you can pull it off on your own. And if you can, and you're willing to uh, suffer through it, then just go for it. Just write the thing you wanna write and don't worry about anyone else. No matter what you write, you can bring it to life with the power of uh, of audio. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> once you get to like the second to last episode, you will hear things in your ear you probably never wanted to hear, Keith. I'm just, uh, <laughs> just warning you. Okay, I'll, I'll uh,
0: go unprepared. <laughs>
2: Anything else next that
0: you want to talk about or any projects on the
2: way? My uh, hopefully soon-to-be crowdfunded comic book, Escape to Earth. Uh, I have a uh, digital preview available if anyone would want it. All you would have to do is email uh, reptilianmedia at gmail.com uh, or just look it up on Twitter at reptilianmedia. And uh, of course, uh, every week, uh, my friend and I, we take a look at obscure and nearly forgotten media, you know, weird sort of like B-movie and obscure stuff like that interests you, then um, check it out. And that is basically all the stuff I have to shill right now.
3: (laughs) Awesome. Ray, are we really doing this? Doing what? The podcast. If we are, we have to document everything in case we have to go to the police.
1: You're right. It's not about getting free healthcare anymore. It's about answers. And there's nothing in the world more important than that.
3: Well, I think your priorities are a little out of order, but I like your enthusiasm. But are there, podcast partner.
1: Ugh. Oh, you put it that way, it makes what we're doing here sound really lame. I'll go make the call.
3: What are we gonna call it?
1: What? The podcast. I don't know. Something like Ray can't sleep, but uh, nah, not as lame. Just try to use a tasteful amount of sense in the sound design. Leave,
3: Leave it to me. me.
0: The further down the rabbit hole Ray goes, the more the story turns bizarre, at times veering into the ludicrous and the profane. But this fever dream-like feeling is entirely appropriate for a man who hasn't slept in a month and is just trying to make sense of the already surreal landscape of L.A. You can listen to Ray Can't Sleep on most major podcast platforms, or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. The show's web page is thefirstepisodeof.com. If you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, send an email to thefirstepisodeof at gmail.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time.